1: singer, songwriter, internet superstar, and you're listening to Flame On. It's going to be the future soon. I will always be this way. When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away. It's going to be the future soon. I've never seen it quite so clear. When my heart is breaking, I can close my eyes. It's alright.
0: Welcome to Flame On. I am Brian the Bear. I'm here with Pat, the talking bear skin rug. What's going on, everybody? And we have probably, to me at least, one of the most special guests we've had on this show yet. You've known him from video games, from podcasts, from television, graphic novels, audiobooks, cruises. I don't think that there's a genre, a media that he has not yet conquered the one and only uh-huh. musical half of the fantastic NPR radio show ask me another Jonathan Colton welcome
1: hello thank you what kind what kind words I have a lot to live up to
0: <laughs> so I am of course I, well for those of you who listen to the show I you know I'm a musician this is uh, something I'm passionate about but it is not my day job I am a programmer by trade and so I think when I first discovered Jonathan Colton's music and read about your backstory I learned that you had a similar background of sorts. I mean, obviously, musician, definitely. But before you, I, I guess, quit full-time your your day job, you were a programmer, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. I wrote software for about, uh, about nine years.
0: Wow. And it did not beat down your soul so much that you've been in your spare time while you were still, I'm sure, programming uh, during the day. You were writing music. Is that is that when you started the Thing a Week project while you were still working the day job?
1: No, Thing a Week was the first thing I did after I quit the day job. Um, you know, I I had been uh, well. First of all, let me say that I I liked writing software. It was a fun job. I don't think I would have I wouldn't have stayed in it for for nine years if it had been terrible. But it was definitely like you know I felt like I there were other things I wanted to do, um, and. Um, so I, while I was working that job, I would write and record occasionally, um, and it was right after I uh, left the job that I started uh, thing a week. I think it was about two weeks after after I became unemployed officially that I started.
0: So it was it – because I have uh, – in my software group, we have other musicians, of course, and a lot of us are weekend warriors. Was it something that you realized – like you said, you wanted to do more, and then unfortunately – the opportunity presented itself when you were let go or was it a, a bold decision to strike out on your own?
1: Oh no, no. I, I made the decision. I had been, you know, trying to talk myself into it for years. Um, and, uh, I used a number of things. I mean, I had put out, um, I had put out a CD, uh, of, of songs that I'd recorded. I'd been working with John Hodgman a little bit on his, a variety show that he did in Brooklyn called little gray book lectures. Um, and, uh, I had toured with him on his book tour. So, you know, I had, I had gotten my feet wet a little bit in the, at least the concept of being a professional entertainer. Um, so yeah, I, I made the decision that, uh, you know, to try quitting the, quitting the day job and seeing how far, uh, I could take the other thing for a while.
0: Well, and obviously it paid off successfully and, and, uh, you know, there's nothing more gratifying, I guess, than, than taking a risk like that and it paying off. So, I mean, I uh, I definitely draw inspiration from that. I'm still working day jobs as a coder and I do like it. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, there's only so much uh, TPS reports and login pages you can write.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I know. And, and you know, it's like, it's it, it definitely was, I mean, I frankly was a little surprised that it worked out the way it did. <laughs> I don't think, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as if I left and I was like, oh, here we go. This is definitely going to work. It was more like, oh, what am I doing? So I'm 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 uh, you know I continue to be surprised and delighted that it has uh, uh turns out to have been the right decision.
0: Now you mentioned John Hodgman of course uh those of our audience who are familiar with the areas of my expertise and the subsequent books uh ending in uh that is all which uh I was sad when we finally got the audiobook that you were you were only referenced I don't think or did you do like a short thing for it or did because I you, you didn't play the same role that you had previously
1: I didn't know I had a much smaller role. I did I, I did a couple of things. Jeez, uh, boy, honestly, they all kind of run together for me. <laughs> I couldn't say exactly what I did. I think I did a couple of things.
0: But, I mean, uh, so those of you who don't know in the audience, basically, John Hodgman writes these fantastic books of false fact. Think of the anthology or, I don't know, it's almost encyclopedic, but more jumping around in topics, you know, from mole people to uh, – to uh, the uh, – oh, Lord, I can't think of the creatures he named. But anyway, your character in those books was sort of the uncivilized mountain man that was slowly being civilized by Mr. Hodgman's character. And uh, just so happened that as a mountain man, you, you were a musical prodigy and would provide accompaniment. Was that a character idea that you yeah, brought to right. the project?
1: Yeah, that's right. And it's hard to- uh, no, that was, that was his idea. It's hard to say if it was a <laughs> if it was a, a one of those facts that is supposed to be true or one of those facts that is supposed to be a fact that John Hodgman thinks is true. There many, many different layers of truth in those books. Um, and it's, uh, I, you know, I think we moved pretty fluidly between the idea that I actually was a feral mountain man and the idea that that was just a story that John Hodgman told to himself and to other people for reasons i don't know
0: (laughs) it was a weird idea i mean it's it's delightfully truthy is whatever it was whatever level of truth you accept it was it was delightfully ridiculous and truthy but but the audiobooks were such an awesome venue for that character that role and i guess like you said sort of that approach and your entrance into all of this um from there and your thing a week which was a podcast correct
1: that's right yeah i mean it was it was it was published Using podcast technology, but it wasn't as if I, I talked. It was just songs.
0: <laughs> um, based on that experience with podcasting, I, and, and you did another show, I believe as well. Correct?
1: Uh, another podcast? You yeah. mean? Yeah. For a while, I was. I did a podcast for Popular Science Magazine called the Popside Podcast. And were you? A, uh, like, uh, was it
0: like just a musical role, or were you actually like a part of the show doing a?
1: No, I did. I did uh, sort of. Uh, I did interviews with people who were uh, connected with articles in that month's issue of the magazine. So I would I would talk to a scientist or sometimes just a reporter who had um, written the story. Uh, so it was sort of an sort of an interview show, but there was a little bit of a uh, uh, the ostensibly I was doing the podcast from the moon. That was the that was the joke. So there were there were other things happening in that podcast as
2: well.
0: Okay.
1: Um, primarily and- it was an interview show.
0: And from that, you also produced another album, and I, I don't have the title in front of me, but I didn't realize I was going back through the albums that I don't have. Which, amazingly, I don't have all your albums. Uh, some of my favorite songs are actually from there, um, Better, and I Feel Fantastic. I did not realize came off of that. Uh, was like an EP that came with the magazine.
1: Yeah, that was the idea of the pop out editors. They wanted me to do a, um, a soundtrack from one of the issues of the magazine. So they hired me to write a bunch of songs that – that were related to, to articles in the issue. So yeah, that's called Our Bodies, Ourselves, Our Cybernetic Arms.
0: And I mean, it's it remains, at least I feel fantastic, probably one of the most challenging of your songs to sing myself when I do the karaoke version at uh, karaoke. Uh, it's uh, that and uh, the one you did, I think, for a They Might Be Giants uh, songwriting sort of inspired contest, Mr. Fancy Pants. Between those two, I think, uh you know everyone who knows the songs are are impressed that anyone can sing them i mean as as well as you not so much but at least getting all the words out is is sort of a nice uh bar to to reach
1: (laughs) yeah no those ones definitely have a lot of words i feel fantastic as you know as uh uh you know when i play it uh with the band uh it just gets it just has gotten faster and faster over the years it's now it's now absurdly fast you know i listen to um we, I put out this live album recently of, uh, you know, from shows with the band and uh, I <laughs> I was used to that speed and I went back and listened to the original. Uh, I feel fantastic. And I was like, wow, that was really slow. Why do we do it so slow?
0: <laughs> well, I've seen you perform twice here in Orlando. And uh, I think the first time uh, you did, uh, it was your own show. You had Paul and Storm with you and you played uh, the social here in Orlando. And, what really, what I loved the most, I mean, Paul and Storm were a great addition. I mean, they're fantastic musicians in their own right. Um, and when they backed you up on, I think, Creepy Doll, and you, you varied, I mean, because all I had heard was the album, of course, at that point, you didn't have any live CDs. And I really enjoyed the band arrangement of that song, uh, even more than just your original. Um, what other oh, songs thanks. did you feel like the band really complimented and made it more fun to perform?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of hard to, to rock out when it's just you in a studio. It's hard to capture the energy of, of a bunch of people playing off of each other on stage. So really, you know, I, there are a number of songs that I have written that were, were meant to be exciting rock songs. And, um, you know, they were sort of hobbled by my uh, inability to really make that happen in the studio. So like, you know, Mandelbrot set is a really kick-ass rock song that is incredibly fun to play uh shop vac is another one i mean you know all those all those fast uh you know guitar heavy uh songs are just they really it was such a delight to start playing with the band because with those songs really i feel like got a whole new life uh to them when i when i started to play with the band
0: now i know in the second time i saw you you were actually coming out with artificial heart um and i know that john flansberg or they might be giants had helped or was was a producer on that album um and and those albums that those songs were specifically written with a band in mind i think some of the they might be giants band even contributed like what was that process like working with flansberg working with a band and coming from just your own your own singer songwriter approach
1: yeah it was challenging which was sort of the point you know I, I, Flansburgh was the producer. I, I, um, had opened for They Might Be Giants, uh, for a stretch. And, uh, uh, you know, at some point he approached me and said, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? Are you going to make an album? And do you want to, do you want me to produce it? And I said, Well, sure, because it sounded terrifying. You know, I mean, those guys are heroes of mine. If you told, uh, 1990 me that I was going to be, I was going to know them personally and, and play with them and, you know, it just would have sounded crazy to me. Uh, so I was really flattered and, and uh, uh, scared. <laughs> and, and you know, he really encouraged me to push myself in a direction of, you know, writing for a band and thinking about what it meant to have a band on stage and, you know, what you could do that you couldn't otherwise do. So it was a, it was a challenge and a bit of a stretch. Most of my goal for that album was I feel like I was in, in search of the perfect... Two minute pop song, which is, I think, an art form that is maybe underappreciated. But you know, when you when you can do it, when you can find an idea that uh, just sort of sustains itself in this really bright, exciting way for two minutes and then stops, and then it's like this perfect nugget of of uh, of pop song. I, that's one of my that's one of my favorite things. So yeah, that album was a lot about uh, trying to find find that thing
0: so i guess you know looking at the tracks from that uh, a lot of them are yeah like you said they're 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 definitely pop inspired i'm sure some of your fans felt like you know oh, he went away from the sort of niche geek humor that i you know that, that may have brought them to it but i know for at least you know a few reasons your nemesis song with john roderick uh, i mean it's still geeky enough in, in a sense but it's just a great you know how many times even today do you have this great little pop Duet, and in, in such yeah, a great right. counterculture sort of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's funny. I I feel like um people who people who know me for the the geeky niche stuff, um you know, know me for the successful songs. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you look at the when I think of the whole, I mean, thing a week is I think a pretty representative uh, of what I do, because I was just doing whatever I could think of week by week. And you know, some of those are nerdy, but not all of them. And there are a lot of just straight ahead songs and songs that are kind of puzzles and hard to figure out what they're about. And um, So I've always been... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. I feel like I've always written all kinds of songs. It's just that the, the ones that succeed the most are the, are the nerdy ones. And, um, you know, I think when I was first starting to do this, it was rare to see, uh, an artist who, who really sort of unabashedly would write a song about math, um, or zombies or <laughs> robots. Um, uh, uh, but you know, then again, like, <laughs> uh, you know, Mr. Roboto, that's a, that's a concept album about robots, right? You know, and <laughs> nobody, nobody thought of them as a nerd act, right? although they were pretty nerdy. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, uh, but I, I know what you, I know what you mean. You know, certainly, certainly artificial heart was the first time I had put out, um, not the first time, but you know, after thing a week, it was the first quote unquote album that I had put out, which is, very different from a thing like thing a week which is like this fire hose of whatever you whatever you happen to be doing uh this was a much more uh curated thing and and uh so yeah i think it strikes people as uh where did all the nerd go but it's yeah as you say it's still there it's still there
0: well and, <laughs> and a lot of people overlook it and 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 wrongfully so i think because it is a very polished album i mean flansberg's touches is you know probably it's there in a sense it's it may not be the flans people are used to but again they're only used to they might be giants flansberg and may not know his solo stuff as much but you know i mean i love uh, alone at home is <laughs> something i oh thank you i can relate to it's not it's not unheard <laughs> of to uh, be dragged along you know or or have to sort of do certain things that you may not want to do in a relationship yep. sure, um, sure. So I mean like people are missing out if if they have not really gone through it enough. Um now you did put a great I mean so you you threw you threw the fans a bone. You put a cover or not a couple a cover, but your your performance of with the Sarah Quinn uh still alive. And yeah. what I personally love being a thereminist uh <laughs> I love that you have the theremin feature oh, yeah. on that. <laughs>
1: That's uh, Dorit. Dorit Chrysler is her name. Uh, wow!
0: Oh, yeah, Dorit. Yeah, I met Dorit at Moogfest last year. She's amazing.
1: Oh yeah, she's incredible. It was, uh, you know, there's somewhere on YouTube. There's a video, and you can you can see her play, and it's kind of, it's even more exciting to watch her play it.
0: Oh, her performances equal parts beautiful, like musical, but also very physical. She'll stab at the, the electromagnetic field of the theremin. She she's yeah. very punctuated in certain parts. Of performance. and she sings too. I mean, she's a, a full package act. And I mean, again, other than Clara Rockmore, I think that's the only other theremist I can say by that I know by name. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah, she's great. She's great.
0: Um, so I mean, that that song, of course, everyone who who has played the Portal series. Knows at least in passing of your song if if they beat it, um, you know. Still alive is fantastic. It's a song that you know Gladys sings at the end, um, and then I want you gone, or sorry, just want you gone. Uh, also, a great bookend to the game. Now, I know Valve, I believe Valve approached you for those songs, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: And so by that point, you know, by the first portal, you had established sort of your your geek cred, songwriter ability. And what was it like trying to work? For a company and doing sort of not a not a jingle because I know you've done jingles too, but like like they wanted you to write a song, you know what material did they give you, and how much of that was just your own material brought to their project uh
1: well they i mean I spoke extensively with the the uh, one of the writers um of the game uh you know I got to play an early version of the game, so I could sort of step through the story and learn the the character glados and Uh, so we, we did a lot of talking about, about it. Um, but they, you know, I mean, they just let me write it myself. You know, it was, it was, um, uh, it was mostly a process of getting a lot of deep background. Um, and then coming back with what I thought that character would, would say. And, you know, they had a couple of suggestions, but, um, mostly it went through the way I'd conceived of it. And, uh, uh you know it's just one of those things where our sensibilities matched up really well and um, that character in particular I felt I felt like I knew that character from from the moment she started uh talking in that game you know so it was uh it was a very satisfying and fun experience
0: yeah and I I the only thing that bums me about that song in particular is and it's a great song I love it is you've done Karaoke tracks of all the tracks that you have Creative Commons license, you know, re- you released as a CC license, but I guess those two because Valve owns them, you you can't release them that way. So there's no karaoke tracks.
1: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm actually not sh- hmm. I'm not sure if I would be allowed to do that or not. It's uh, I have to go back and look at the various contracts that I signed uh, ten years ago, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, if uh, if a fan wanted to uh do that as a very unofficial not for a sale kind of thing, uh hopefully Valve would be cool and
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, of course I don't speak for them, but they in in my experience, they, you know, when when Portal came out and everybody was um going crazy and making Portal related stuff, they were they were pretty cool about um all of the all of the fan created uh stuff as long as it was non you know, cool. they seem like a their hearts in the right place on that stuff
0: yeah no i i remember when the portal products flood the market and, and they weren't really f- official and they were they were interesting um so moving on real quick uh i, wanna, I don't want to hold you too long but uh, of course you've had some great success with projects like your Joko crazy cruise which i, jo- I saw just happened and every year i, I realize it's happening and i'm like i should do that sometime and Uh, is that been a pretty fun and fulfilling thing for you to do to meet your fans and to bring all other friends and fellow, like, you know, I mean, I hate to say geeky artisans, but, you know, looking at the list, you know, you got Will Wheaton, John Scalzi, you know, you got up Paul and Storm, you got a lot of guys, uh, who, who definitely are in that sort of space with you.
1: Oh yeah. it's the, it's a blast. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a great, such a great time. It's, it's, uh, uh, this year we were about 850 people. Uh, on this cruise ship. And, and um, I mean, you know, it's a party, it's a week long summer camp and, and yeah, we bring comedians and musicians and other kinds of entertainers. And um, we try to program it in a way that, um, uh, you know, certainly, certainly there's a, there's the, there's some nerdy stuff that we all know and love, but we also try to bring in some artists that are outside those circles because there's a lot of good stuff. That's not, uh, not nerdy and you know it's like it's nice to be able to uh introduce stuff that we think is good um to this crowd because uh you know the crowd is really open to new experiences it's one of my favorite thing about that group of people uh is that as a community they're just fantastic they love to try stuff out and uh it's 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 really fun you should come everyone should come
0: i i i will one as long as you keep doing them there's a great likelihood that i will make it one of these years Another cool project, and I was very thrilled to get in as as a backer for this was the Kickstarter project you did, or Greg Pack and you, and uh, I guess Miyazawa uh, uh, as the artist uh, to make a graphic novel. Which to me, you know, given that I love you know and, and uh, know very well all of your earlier works and, and your stronger like you know character based sort of songs, it, it felt like this was the closest thing at the moment to that musical that has all your songs woven into a story. Um, so yeah, the right. code monkey save world, a graphic novel, or, you know, four issue comic book series, um, which is still available. All right. The, the Kickstarter went out, but I mean, it's still, I think up on comiXology and, uh, you can order it, I'm sure through, uh, what your website or PAX website or both.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I think just Greg's right now.
0: Okay. I mean, and, and overall, I mean, it, it, again, if you know the characters, I mean, certainly if, if you're not familiar with Jonathan's work, I I don't know that you'd get much other than it's a fun story and it's beautifully drawn, but I mean, were you pretty, uh, did you enjoy seeing your characters brought to life and knit together in this way?
1: Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was really fun. I, I hadn't, I hadn't really, you know, <laughs> the, the, the way all the stories kind of loop back on themselves, um. Was certainly not an intentional thing as I was writing them, but uh, it's always been interesting for people other than me to come in and say, "Oh, look, this is kind of this character kind of is in this story too." You know, it was it was really it's really a cool thing. And Greg, I think, did a fantastic job of uh, of knitting everything together and and coming up with a a world that somehow uh, includes all those. Uh, various crazy, crazy things, and yeah, I, 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 th- I thought it was great. I'm, I was really impressed with the job he did, and as you say, it's a great story. It's beautifully drawn, and um, it was just a fun, really fun uh, project to work on.
0: One more question, and I know you got to go. Uh, the ask me another. I mean, again, we talked to Aafir previously. We came up and saw your great uh, live show during New York Comic Con with Neil Gaiman. Uh, I mean, that show I know was pitched you know, we talked to a fear about how that sort of evolved, but you know, are, is that something that you, you do and you bring a lot of your own stuff to, or is it kind of more of a, you know, you're a part of the team, you show up, you do the gig and, and I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on sort of being in that ask me another space? You know, what kind of experience is it for you?
1: Uh, it's a really fun gig. I gotta say it's, it's, uh, we have such a good time doing it. And, and there's a whole team of people who are working on every show. Um, you know, there are people who are booking the guests and writing the puzzles and and putting the script together. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I tend to do a music game every, every episode and somebody writes that, writes that puzzle. Um, and you know, I might, I might tweak a couple of things, um, cause I am a professional songwriter as you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, it really couldn't happen without everybody doing, doing their part. Um, but, you know, all that said, one of my favorite things about that show is that once, once it's Afira and I on stage in front of an audience, uh, you know, we do have the script, but so much of the fun happens um, uh, in between the script, you know, right. <laughs> and stuff that the way the contestants behave on stage and, running gags that develop over the course of a, of an episode. And um, one of my favorite things is that that job is, is basically, I get to stand on stage and and riff and say funny things. And uh, uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm, I'm, uh, once again, find myself in the very strange and fortunate position of, uh, of uh, having it be my job to do a thing that is fun.
0: (laughs) I mean, and and it's it's you can tell how fun it is both as a live, you know, being in the audience, you can see the amount of fun you guys are having, and also just listening. Uh, when we first heard the show, I think I lit up when I realized that you were on it, and then um, we love quiz shows and trivia and all that anyway. So you know, between the two, my, you know, Pat and myself, like we both got just a great joy out of hearing it, and every week, you know, and Ophira is oh, fantastic. You. I just you know, yeah,
1: she's so she's so funny. She, it's so great to work with her. Uh, we we've sort of developed a a rhythm together and uh it's just such a such a pleasure to be on stage with her
0: well i think uh it's all about all the time we got and i really again thank you so much for doing this and uh for those of you guys who are interested in more about mr colton you can go to jonathancolton.com any and everything is there you can read about all the craziness with glee that happened a few years ago you can read about all that because you have a great blog on there as well um and it, I noticed that you've stopped uh, writing it as much, but uh, there's still a lot of great material. <laughs>
1: yeah, every every six months I, I write a long blog post about something.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, but blogging's
1: blog dead. You know that, right? Well, blog well,
0: Andrew dead Sullivan so. said so. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand. Yeah. No, it's it's a great treasure trove, though. If you're if you're interested in more of your both written and musical material, all of it's up there. And you can learn all about the jo- Joko Crazy Cruise and everything else you're doing coming up that you want to talk about? Or
1: I am working on a new album right now. I don't have a date for when it'll be finished, but um, it's really very recently started to feel like we've made some real progress. And I hope that it will be out uh, sometime this year.
0: Cool. I look forward to hearing that. Thank you again for joining us, and uh, thanks for listening.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
3: Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes, and be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page and make sure to check out Flameonshow dot com for more Nerdy Queer in your ear.